how is this even possible? The disciples are walking in Jesus, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Seems almost made up, doesn't it? But then I think, this stuff in front of me all the time that I don't see. So just this week, I, I said to my wife, I said, Clancy, could you please put um, mayonnaise on the grocery list? We're out. She said, no, we're not. There's one in the cupboard. I said, no. I just looked. It's empty. There isn't, there isn't one. She said, no, no, look again. Sure enough, I open it up. Right there in the middle. <laughs> jar of mayo. We do it with people, too. Uh, also this week, I was at the gym, and there was a, a, one of my former students was there, and he was right next to me, and I was trying to say hello to him, and he didn't see me or recognize me. Now, this is a student that I worked very closely with for many years, and I've talked to him more recently. He knows what I look like. I had to physically hit him. He was that close. Hit him. Hey. Oh, it's you, JP. Hey. Like, yeah, I'm standing right here. Add to that for these disciples just the deep grief of losing a loved one. Um, you know, when people die, you can just kind of go numb. You can forget who's around or what's going on. It, it can be just a blur, especially in those first few days. But whatever is causing these disciples to not recognize Jesus, I mean, they are in a low point. They are walking a long road. It's a rocky and a dangerous road that they're walking on. And, and, and of course, the death of, of a friend. But more than that, this was... This was one who they had, they had so much hope. It says, you know, verse 21, we, we'd hoped he was the one. You know, he was so powerful. He, he was the one who did all the miracles, but then he was arrested. There was no defense. He was sentenced. There was no victory. There was the death on a cross. You know, he was the one who was going to deliver us from, from Rome, but no, no deliverance. But Jesus is near people like this. I mean, literally, in this account, he's walking with them. But I say to you that Jesus is near you today as well. And when people recognize how close Jesus is to them, especially at a low point, um, it changes everything. I mean, they have a radical transformation when they realize who this is. They go from just heavy hearts and downcast to hearts on fire. Radical change. Maybe today you can relate to these disciples in their sadness and in their loss. Um, God allows us to be disappointed in different ways. Whether it's something in your life that you would hope for that never happened, or maybe it's a job or a career that isn't shaping up the way you thought. Maybe it's a health struggle or a sickness. Maybe a broken relationship, something like that. But there's lots of ways that we can be disappointed in life. And there's a lot of joy in this room, too. I mean, we, we come here to celebrate and have joy, but um, there are those things in life that disappoint us, and we all need to see how close Jesus is to us. If you're a person of faith this morning, maybe you just need a reminder that Jesus is walking with you through whatever it is that you're facing. Or maybe you'd say today, if you're not a person of faith, if you'd say, no, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a believer maybe you'll come to see how close God is to you today. Let us pray. So God, because of what we celebrate today, we, we know that you are not dead, that you are alive, that you are indeed with us, Lord. So Jesus, reveal yourself to us. Show us how close you are to us, even right now. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. So I want to show you three steps by which these disciples realized, they, they recognized Jesus, they realized how close he was to them. And maybe these same three steps for you help you realize how close Jesus is to you today. The first step is remembering God's story. So this is how Jesus responds to these, to these disciples. Verse 25. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus just retells them the story of the Bible. And they needed to to hear that. Now, some people look at the Bible and they say, okay, this is a book of heroes. These are people I should emulate in my life. And there is great examples of faith in the Bible. Other people look at the Bible as a book of rules. Okay, this is you know, morals and rules and just kind of a map for how to live life well. Other people look at the Bible as inspirational. You know, these are inspirational quotes that are going to help, you know, motivate, motivate me in my day. The Bible primarily is not any of those things. Primarily, the Bible is the story of God's redeeming work in the world. It's, it's, it's the history of, of God's work. All the way, uh, we look at it in four sort of chapters Creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. So it starts with creation, that God created all things good. He created it for his glory and for, uh, for joy, and everything was perfect and good. But then sin enters the world. That's the fall. And people go their own way, and they turn from God's good plan, and that's, uh, that's the fall. But then we see God in his, in his goodness uh, rescue that world. He's got a whole plan of rescue, and the unfolding of his rescue plan And the pinnacle of that rescue plan we're celebrating today on Easter, where Jesus dies on a cross, but he rises to new life. And he shows us that God has power over life and death and that that he's making all things new, and that's why we celebrate today. And then the final chapter is a full restoration at the end of time where all things are made right, where God's justice is known perfectly. Uh, that's, that's God's story. That's what the Bible's all about. And Jesus is reminding them this. The problem is that we often separate our story from God's story. And we live just in the, what's sometimes called the imminent frame, or just kind of the here and now. People disconnect their story from God's story. They explain everything you know, scientifically, or you explain it culturally. But they don't explain it supernaturally. We don't explain our story with the in light of God's design and, and, and God's just transcendent being. We just live in the here and now. And we, when we live that way, we can get very focused on our own stuff. We get focused on our own problems, and it's, it's a lot. Because you're trying to live, just you know, be happy and live your best life and find your truest you and, and live into that however you define that. But the problem is when you disconnect your story in your way of life, from God's story, what do you do when you fail? Or what do you do when you face suffering that you weren't expecting? Or what if you can't find that true you or that thing that you're trying to be and you're not getting there? Or or just the pressure of trying to be that or find that. How do you deal with those things? Trying to define your own story apart from God's story can can really lead to despair. And that's where we see these uh, disciples walking down the road, you just in disappointment and despair. And what we need to do is get our eyes off of our immediate problem and see God's bigger picture, God's bigger story. 
and how my problems, so my problems then don't go away, but they fit into a bigger story that maybe makes sense. At least to God it does. You know, I can find, I don't need to come up with my own best me and my own identity. I can root my identity in God, my satisfaction in him. Um, I can have a freedom from guilt and shame. I can have hope that endures uh, for eternity, a lasting hope. You know, God's story gives me a, a place to fit my story, to know that I'm part of something greater. One of the one of the joys of this season as a church is we've been we've had a daily devotional online that different people in the church have written things and and different music and different readings and each day there's been a different one of these published and we were just asking people you know how do you see God at work in your life and one person wrote this this uh, this is my friend Peter he said God is showing me that I matter and that in simple ways that my being has a purpose. While I tend to hold on tightly to my own imperfections, he interjects on my behalf and shows me that his plan is greater than what I can conceive. That's the point, exactly. We get focused on our stuff and our imperfections, and God needs to remind us, hey, there's a bigger story, there's a bigger plan, and your story fits into it. So then when we face things, you know, like these disciples, or any, when anything tragic or terrible happens, and people ask me all the time, you know, how... Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do innocent people suffer? And I don't have all the answers to that, but every time one of those things happen, we have two choices. The first choice is to say there is no God, there's no way to explain it, it's all just random and chaotic and really meaningless. The other choice when those bad things happen is to say there is a God, and I may not be able to understand his way, but he has a greater purpose. And for me, I'd rather be angry and frustrated at a sovereign God that I don't understand than to just be lost in an ocean of meaninglessness. We need to know that there's a greater story. And here Jesus reminds them, God's story is true. God's story is greater. It fits. So that was their first step. They needed to, they needed to be reminded of God's bigger story. The second step to recognizing Jesus here was accepting Jesus' invitation. So here's how, the, here's how this account continues, verse 28. It says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. It wasn't until they invited Jesus in that they truly recognized who he was. And I call this Jesus' invitation, although it seems like they invited him in. Jesus provokes this invitation. Something about what he was saying, something about this man, they didn't want him to keep walking. He said, hey, come in. We need you to come in. Don't walk away. I declare to you today that Jesus is very close to you, walking alongside you, and you may not even realize it. One of the reasons we do not recognize Jesus is near us is because we have a broken relationship with God. God designed us to know him, to recognize him, to be connected to him, but sin breaks that relationship. Now, sin is not just the bad things that you do. It's not less than that, but it's, it's not just that. Sin is a condition of the human heart that wants to go our own way, that wants to just do life on our own terms, even to ignore God, uh, to not fully love God. 
And Jesus provides a way to heal that broken relationship that sin creates. What Jesus did, this is the good news of Jesus, is that he came to take all of our sin on himself on the cross. He loves us that much. He ought to to give his life to offer us a right relationship with him. And this is the big surprise of our Christian faith. And this is unique to our faith, that the God of the universe is reaching out to us, making us this offer. It's, it's not like any other path. It's not a path to try to find a higher power or to, to, to walk the right uh, moral path or to find some kind of enlightenment. This is not people seeking after God or seeking after the right way. It's God seeking after you and seeking after me, offering us his grace. To experience Jesus for who he really is, we have to turn to him and accept that invitation. But notice in Jesus not forcing his way into this house. They're walking down the road, and they have to say, Jesus, come in. Some people have a view of God that is forceful or unwanted, and that's not the case. God is not forcing his way in. We need to receive this grace that he freely offers. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Famously, this was uh, the painter Holman Hunt. He, he painted this verse. He, he illustrated this verse with a painting. We have a picture of it here. It's called uh, Light of the World. And so there's Jesus standing there, and he's, he's the light of the world, and he's standing at the door of a house. And the door, of course, represents the life of the individual, of you or of me. And Jesus is standing and knocking at the door. And he was approached, one, uh, Holman Hunt, who painted this, he was approached one time, as the story goes, and someone said, uh, Holman, you've made a mistake. And so what, what mistake? He said, the door, there's no handle on it. There's no, there's no doorknob there. And Holman Hunt replied, that's not a mistake. There is a handle on that door, but the handle's on the inside. Jesus is standing knocking, and the door needs to be opened. These disciples, they invite Jesus in. Their eyes were completely open. They knew at that moment, they were sure that this was the same Jesus who they had walked with before that had died and now was risen to new life. You can have the same experience too. Just by inviting Jesus in. I, I ran into an old friend at a wedding recently and I was reminded of his story. I knew him before he was a Christian and then he came to faith and I knew him afterwards. And I remember him recounting his story. He said, before I, I accepted that invitation to receive Jesus, he, he said, my life was fine. I, didn't, I thought I was, my, my life was good. I lived a good life. But as soon as I welcomed him in, I realized I had been walking. It was like I had been walking in a fog, and I didn't know it. And that fog lifted. I didn't even realize that I needed this. For you today, maybe you feel like something's missing that there's a peace missing in your life. Jesus is there. He is present. We just need to recognize that he's there and invite him in. And in, in the midst of whatever you face in life, whatever troubles, whatever, uh, whatever you face, we remember the, the, very, the greatest promise of God is when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. The, the greatest promise of God is when, uh, when Jesus says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age, that that. Jesus is walking with us every step. That is such a beautiful promise, but we need to receive the invitation. 
So that's their second step. So the first step was seeing God's bigger picture. The second step was accepting the invitation. In the third step, I'm just going to call it heart on fire. A heart set on fire. Look at verse 32. This is how this account concludes. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them and assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They, they realized that even before they fully recognized Jesus, that something was happening in their hearts were being lit on fire. And at that point, they, just, they don't hesitate. They go all the way back. This rough and rocky and dangerous road, they just all at once, they just go back. It's nothing to them. It's, it's a journey of joy at that point because they just want to spread the news about what Jesus did. You know, Jesus gives their life, life a whole new meaning and purpose when they, when they experience this stuff. The same is true for us. Jesus said, I have come that people might have life and have it to the full. One of the early Christians, Paul, he said, this is about um, taking hold of the life that is truly life. There's a whole new way of life that we can experience, and it changes everything, even the ordinary days. One of the other writings that, um, again, the people were sharing their stories about how God was at work in their lives, and one of the readings was from my friend Elaine, who was describing just normal, ordinary days of her life, but recognizing that God was at work. And this is what she writes. She said, Ordinary days are not so ordinary after all. How blessed to walk with him. That it transforms even the mundane, the everyday moments of our lives. As a church, we always focus on this together. We don't gather here just to escape the world. We gather here to praise God that he was with us every step of the way when we're not here. And when we go from this place, we're here to be equipped to, to then go out and live our lives we call it the front lines of your life. Everywhere God puts you, he has something good for you there. He's with you there. He has a purpose for your being there. Every day can be lived with a heart on fire for God. So here's a warning. I should warn you. That if God sets your heart on fire, it's going to change you. It's going to fundamentally change how you approach the world and how you live. And his Holy Spirit, which is that fire in you, will change you and produce in you the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the stuff that God wants to cultivate in you. We're going to wrestle with the old way. We're going to fight against that. But God is pruning us and shaping us and cultivating something better. Sets our hearts on fire. So that first Easter day, these disciples, again, at this very low point, they were disappointed and confused and depressed. And In the midst of that, Jesus is walking with them. He's reminding them of God's story. He, they invite him in and they recognize him and their hearts are just set on fire. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you need to know how close Jesus is with you, walking with you. Maybe it's a specific situation that you're dealing with, and you need him to walk with you. Maybe you just need a new start with God. So you know what? I just need to start over. I need, I need to know this again. Or maybe just a sense there is something missing, and it just might be. Can you recognize Jesus in the midst of it?
If you want it, it is so close, walking right there next to you. Will you invite Jesus in? Let us pray. And as I pray, you can make this your prayer today. Jesus, if you are near me, help me to recognize it. Whatever is keeping me from seeing you, from experiencing you, whether it's my sin or my focus on myself or whatever it is, God, I turn from those things. I turn to you in faith and I receive your free gift of forgiveness and a right relationship with you. I invite you in. Help me to walk with you. Fill me with the fire of your Holy Spirit to experience you and to experience life in all of its fullness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.